what's going on, everybody? This is Prescribed Black, the prescription you never knew you needed. This is my bro, Conrad. Hello, hello. I'm Theo, and this is Prescribed Black. Black. So it's been a while since we hooked up, man. How you been? Good, man. Good, man. I'm trying to uh, get this thing rolling. Yeah. Um, as y'all know, there's been a lot going on in the nursing world, and we also been having our own... Um, things going on. So we're going to try to make this um, uh, a set goal that we can, you know, put out an episode, you know, yeah. at least, I don't know, I don't want to commit to nothing right now, but we're going to be putting out more episodes. Yeah, maybe at least two, what, two a month. Oh, yeah. We're, we're going to try to shoot for once a week, but two a month probably going to have to be the goal. Yeah. Uh, we've just been working on some things, how to record, how to get it in, all that fun stuff for real. Still, we still need this thing and um, we have some equipment oh yeah um, on the way so trust me we still building yeah through and through oh man i've been uh you know i've been trying to keep up with current events recently and uh it's been this uh this trial man it's been going on for a while and it's so weird that it just came to my attention that i've never seen this before it's this uh uh redonda vault trial have you heard of it yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's this has been real big in that especially in the nursing nursing world yeah um Bro, this mm. shit, it blew on uh social media. I think the I think the trial just kind of came to a head most recently. So um if you never heard of it, so Redonda Vaught, a 36-year-old Tennessee nurse, uh, who's at the middle of this uh criminal case brought uh brought by the state's attorney out there in Tennessee uh for uh, account of uh, reckless homicide charges after she gave a patient the wrong medication. Uh, while she was uh, taking the patient for a PET scan in the hospital. So it's it's a bit of a lengthy timeline. Um, so it's just a few things uh, going back to October 2015. Uh, Redonda Vaught, a licensed nurse, uh, she was working at Vanderbilt, one of the largest hospitals in Nashville. Uh, jumped to she, the, started, she started she working started there. there. Got started, it. Let started. me clarify that. And then, like, so let's jump to December 24th, 2017. Charlene Murphy, 75, uh, a patient uh, checked into Vanderbilt with a subdural hematoma uh, or AKA bleed on the brain. Yeah. And uh, December 26, 2017, Murphy's condition improved and she was almost ready to leave uh, the hospital. But the team wanted a final scan uh, in the hospital's radiology department. So the nurse uh, was supposed to give this patient a, a sedative. Uh, Verse said prior to her scan, uh, patients usually have some form of anxiety. So this is probably a, a good modality. Uh, some people use Versed. Um, personally, I like to prescribe Ativan yeah, uh, to patients before they get a scan. Let's um, pause on that. So there's, there's many ways that you can um, prescribe uh, many medications you can prescribe when it comes to um, PET scans, CT scans, MRIs, and go on and go on. Thanks. Um, depending on the unit, which uh, Redonda, what's her name, right? Redonda. Yeah. I said it right. Redonda Vaught. Uh, Redonda Vaught, um, I believe she was on an ICU unit. So she was able to pull that medication because a lot of times on these units, um, we do a lot of 
bedside procedures, um, just in case there's an emergency. A lot of these patients on these units are very sick. Thanks. Um, so you, you know, you, you get a lot of bedside procedures. I, on my unit I used to work on, we had an amputation at bedside because the patient was so sick to travel to the OR. They had to do everything at bedside. So it's not uncommon to have these type of medications on her unit. Um, that's why she was able to pull it. But um, a lot of people question why did they give why was they given Versed and so forth and so forth? Um, just to be clear, that's not an uncommon medication to be give, given in this type of procedure. Like Theo said, he personally likes to give um, Ativan. Ativan. Um, I'm more on the outpatient side most of the time. So a lot of my patients are walkie talkie. So I may give them a low dose of Xanax, um, like to take 30 minutes prior to. Uh, the tests and then they still feel in on edge then they can take one right before the test. Right. Um, and it's, it, it's all variable to the uh, provider. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just to clear that up. Um, so she didn't do any, she did do something wrong, but the medication that she want, intended to give was not wrong. Um, but she did, you know, I guess we can go on as- Yeah, we'll dig it. You talk about that's, like how that even happened, how she pulled that medication and so forth. Yeah, that's digging this here. So, uh, so this patient was supposed to be given this uh, Versed, this, this sedation, uh, but the nurse accidentally gave a dose of uh, Vecaronium, yeah. a powerful paralyzing medication. Now, Vecaronium is usually used. Uh, in either bedside intubations, uh, like prior to procedures for yeah. anesthesia. Uh, so paralytic, that's not one of those drugs that a bedside nurse should be pushing unless under the supervision of a physician or- In most, uh, most places, they don't even allow bedside nurses to push, right. push those medications, honestly. Right, usually you see the intensivist, uh, uh, the CRNA, anesthesiologist, uh, and I, and I know in some cases, ICU nurses do, do push it, but yeah. it's under the direct supervision. Yeah. Got it. All right. Um, but I mean, yeah, most of the time, me personally, I never wanted to go down that route because of the medication I've seen in prime example. Yeah. I um, mean, it's scary implications, man. Yeah. As, you know, some people don't even want to do CRNA or like anesthesiology because it freaks them out having that kind of control over yeah, somebody. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that, that's. Uh, but I mean, that, that's another topic. When you go when you get into that CRNA, they have malpractice insurance and so forth and so forth. But yeah. it kind of makes this whole story so strange. Yeah. That she was really indicted, indict, indicted, um, and is getting jail time because. Yeah. We, as nurses, we are supposed to be covered right. under that same umbrella. Right. Um, and, and there's so many stories about this out there because there was a lot of stuff swept under the rug at this Vanderbilt facility. Yeah. yeah. So that so I guess we can wait. I guess we can just just yeah, that's track. Let's continue the timeline, right? Mm -hmm. All right. So um so she gave the Vecaronium to this patient. So admittedly, when she when the patient got this Vecaronium. Of course, the patient was completely paralyzed. And this this was on December 26th. She, the patient, again, going back, the patient was admitted um, on December 24th, December 26th. They wanted to get a final scan. And, and it, what, what we've been reading um, and following the story, the patient was pretty much on the way to be discharged. Right. They just wanted one final scan to make sure there's no active bleed 
um, going on before they discharge her, right. which is protocol. Right. Um, so, yeah. All right. Now, December 27th, uh, so the, the patient was declared brain dead that same night on, the, on December 26th. So on the 27th, Murphy's family gathered at Vanderbilt to say goodbye. She died at about 1 a.m. after being disconnected from life support. Later that day, two Vanderbilt neurologists uh, report that Murphy's death to the medical examiner uh, in Davidson County uh, of Tennessee uh, without mentioning the medication era or Vecaronium. So Murphy's death is attributed to bleeding in her brain yeah. and deemed a natural death based on the information provided by the hospital itself. Uh, the medical examiner did not uh, independently investigate the death at all in this situation. Yeah. All right. So January 2018, in the wake of Murphy, Murphy's death, uh, Vanderbilt officials took several actions that obscured the field of medication error uh, from the government and the public. The errors reported to the, the error was not reported to the state or the federal officials, which is required by law or the joint commissions and the accredited agency that a lot of us uh, go by in the healthcare field. Uh, Listen carefully to this next timeline. <laughs> early 2018, Vanderbilt negotiated an out-of-court settlement with the Murphy family that required them not to speak publicly about the death or the medication error. The settlement amount is not known at this current time. So let's pause. Um, so as we can see, and this is what this is what makes this is so scary for nurses um, and mind blowing because as you can see, the a hospital system like that that goes lengths to the, to cover up, you know, an error, right? Um, and ultimately, they go unscathed in this whole situation, and a, a young lady, you know, life is pretty much done for. Like everybody's going to know her. Right. For this um, error. Mm. Um, but a big, big fish, big fry is able to go unscathed, paying family out um, with money. Right. Um, so, I mean, when you when you when you go back to this, I feel like as a whole, um, each each entity should have been looked at in charge. Um, not saying they maybe they maybe state officials may go back and charge um, Vanderbilt or whoever the you know the big wigs of that um, hospital system are. Um, but something else needs to be done. Um, the error is not solely on one um, little nurse. And I'm not saying little um, to belittle her in any type of way, but she is an employee, one small um, sector in that whole uh Vanderbilt um system it's just it's, it's just it's just it's just I can't even get my mind across it is it's very sad um and scary especially being in the field yeah I mean she honestly in this situation the situation is really sad because uh two people you know pretty much lost in this situation yeah the patient themselves and the family of the patient, which is so, so sad. The patient themselves, plus the family, plus the, the nurse, my bad, is three people, or three, three parties in the situation mm -hmm. lost someone. Yeah. It's such a scary thing. Um, in this situation, I got to say, you know, a lot of things got skipped over that we basically learned in nursing school, you know? 
in in this situation it wasn't a, a real emergency situation this was a situation where we could have took a minute yeah uh looked over the medication correctly i agree um we could have reviewed this with the ordering provider uh before this medication was ultimately pulled from the pixis itself and in most hospitals there's a hard stop if i'm not correct right they talk about it and that we can talk about it too because um as we the timeline we're going down the timeline it it also mentions um uh multiple error uh notification that she was given um before even pulling this medication so i mean she's not is she's not totally innocent. Um, she had uh, a wrongdoing in this whole situation as well. Um, but I think it, I honestly think it should have been handled. I don't not think she should have. She could have lost a license, you know. Yeah. Um, and not being able to, you know, be a a nurse. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, honestly, for me in this in this whole case, like, do you know what kind of precedence this set? You know, yeah. This this yeah. sets a really bad precedent for healthcare itself because look, imagine all of the things that happened during COVID. You know what I mean? All of the things that we we didn't know about COVID Man, itself. We were flying by the seat. If they was if they, you know much people died, a, could do the do the staffing, do the staffing. A lot of people died during COVID. So it, you know that's what I'm saying. Like it's it's it is is a double edged sword here because they are not staffing units properly. That is a safety hazard. Um, pay, you know, nurses are being overworked. I just heard, I just I think it was the other, I read somewhere or the other article that they're gonna try to push nurses to work, what, 48 hours now instead of 36? Yeah, I seen that, like four, 48 hours in a week, that's crazy. Um, and, and granted, a lot of nurses do that because I did it right. <laughs> every week, um, but you get overtime. Um, and it's your choice, right? Um, you're not being forced, right? Um, a lot of people see nurses and they say, "Oh, yeah, I just work three days a week." So yes, it's great, but by end of those three days, if you do like how I used to do it, work my three days straight, you're done. You take one to two days to recover. You're completely wiped, and then you before you know it, you have to go right back. And I used to work night shift that made it even worse. Um, so it's it's pros and cons to nursing. Um, many people think that you know we get big checks, which in some cases you do, but it's hard work. Yeah. Um, and it's in and the average nurse makes these big money because they're working an extra shift or they're working another job because we can. Um, but if you work the standard three days a week, you're making just the average salary as somebody working in the office. Right. Uh, actually, let's be real here, man. Nurses, nurses get paid the way that they do. Uh, healthcare professionals in a whole get paid the way that they do because of the life altering decisions that we make in the hospital right. because of the 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 tough calls that we have to make as as providers and nurses uh uh tax uh anybody at bedside right. uh, they got to make these tough decisions that help these patients that you know often not cannot help themselves or don't understand what's going on mm -hmm. It's a lot of responsibility that goes into getting a license. This is probably why going to medical school and going to nursing school is probably one of the two of the hardest things that you can do. Yeah. It's just it's, it's difficult to get through the knowledge, right? Once you get through the knowledge, you, you take the your national boards, right? So uh, I think the I think physicians take the, the step exam and then yeah. they, and then they go to the the board of medicine. 
to to do an oral exam. Yeah, they got to do an oral, and I think they got to do a practical, do a practical, yeah, something like that. I think, I, think some, I think some of them have to do a practical exam. Right, right, right. And the, and these tests are made to to be challenging. Right. There's no there's no cheat sheet and no answer sheet that you go to. Right. This is that you got to know your stuff to pass these exams, and once you go through that, you then you got to get like real life experience. You know, right. you, you got to learn at bedside, and here we are, you know, we had, this, we had this crossroad, we had this precedence where, you know, healthcare providers are now getting jail time for, for med errors. Now, I, I do not agree with this nurse, you know, pulling Vecaronium without knowing the proper, you know, name for the medication that she was trying to pull. Yeah. I, I understand that she was trying to pull Versed and, and pull Vec instead. Yeah. Um, Versa's uh, generic name is uh, Medazolam, and she just went with the brand, you yeah. know, Vector, uh, just uh, in v. Ver, yeah, just typed in V and then grab the overall with the first medication that she found. Now, most of the time, when you're pulling medications of the stature, it's a two, uh, it's a two nurse verify or a, a two provider uh, verify when you pull these medications. Yeah. And she pulled this without right. any verification. I mean, and, and that kind of goes to the floor um, regulations because, like I said, like on ICU floors, in some cases, you don't have time to to verify. Right. You don't have time. If you have an emergency situation, you need to pull the medication, give it to save the patient life. Yeah. And that just might have been the case on that floor where they didn't need to verify. Yeah. Um, uh, bro, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, to me, this is pure discretion right but i mean in this situation a pet scan in an emergency yeah it's not pet i mean she I mean, but not for this patient not for this patient you know now if, if this was like a stat ct stat mri for a stroke whatever the case may be right that's a discussion to be had but this patient was on her way out the hospital i mean and from this standpoint the way they're describing this it doesn't sound like this patient was intubated right no, nah, intubated afterwards. I was about to say she they she would have to have been intubated afterwards. So this patient is not intubated. It sounds like she's able to talk. She improved after being found to have a brain bleed, and here we are um, pulling pulling vecaronium, you know, versus versed for a PET scan. So, um, all right, let's talk about this. So the the Center for Medicaid. And Medicare uh, actually sanctioned, well, not sanctioned. They uh, they 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 imposed the ruling that the hospital was negligent, mm -hmm. the hospital itself, uh, and they threatened to suspend their ability to take payments. What was that? What was that? Oh, this was this was in November 2018. Uh, we we skipped the whole so, step. Yeah. So so before that. Before that, they received the reason that they sent a Medicare had uh, threatened them was they received an anonymous tip. Yeah, a whistleblower. Yeah, um, this was uh, October third, twenty eighteen. Yeah. So October twenty third, uh, October third, twenty eighteen, an anonymous tipster uh, alerted the state and federal health officials to the unreported medication error. Uh, at this time. Um, I think Ms. Vaught was working as a, a throughput coordinator in a non-clinical role uh, in Nashville, which probably was 
probably was part of her uh, inter-hospital uh, discipline, possibly. Yeah, yeah, probably. And I mean, I mean, it might have been, she might have been so distraught. She might have, you know, just that yeah, bedside, yeah. you know. I mean, honestly, it looked like she practiced for a whole, almost a whole other year after this met her. Yeah, because it was, everything was swept under the rug. Until the whistleblower came out. Yeah. Whistleblower headed out for her. Somebody. Whatever that case may be, but that was showing up for whistleblower. All right. So um was that late November? The the, the medication error became public for the first time. Right. Um CMS releases an investigation report that details the error without identifying Ms. Vaught. Or Murphy, uh, CMS threatens to suspend Vanderbilt's Medicare payments, which would ultimately cripple the hospital's revenue. Um, if Vanderbilt cannot prove, it has taken steps to prevent similar error. Um, Vanderbilt responded with a plan of correction um, that appeased the federal agency, right. which could mean many other things. Right. Um, as you can see, they swept a, a lot of stuff under the rug. Um, who knows what goes behind closed doors with these big um, meetings with hospitals, government so associations. Um, but I mean, I'm not, I'm not, you know, putting any accusations or anything like that. That's just like nah, with nah, any, nah. With any big corporation, anything in life, big pharma, any, anything is always backdoor meetings with anything. Um, and that's just that's just life. That's just normal. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about this for a second, though, right? So, all right. So this whole thing happened in 2017, right? Mm -hmm. So that means that Vanderbilt didn't have a plan of action to avoid this for almost a whole year, bro. Yeah. This original this original thing happened in December 2017. It took all the way until November 2018 for them to try to come up with a plan to avoid this. So that means they were they were encouraging overrides. Uh, they were they were letting this go with no safety checks for a whole additional year. Well, you know, that, that's why they had the settlement. That's crazy. That's why they had the settlement. But that's crazy, bro. A whole, a whole additional year, they let this ride with no correction at all. No, no improvement on processes. It's alarming. Wow. Wow, that is alarming. I don't know. We we worked at two of the biggest hospitals. And I I gotta say, every time I went to a Pixis and I needed to pull something, it was like either two checks or I, it made sure that I knew exactly what I was pulling. Yeah. Man, I'm not uh oh, man. That's crazy. I, I mean, errors happen all the time, right? Like some of the most common errors that happen at bedside is, you know, verbal orders, right? Right, right. So, yeah. you know, say a doctor yeah. be like, hey, I want you to, you know, give this patient, uh, you know, a calcium channel blocker, right? And you give them a, you give them a, a, beta, blocker. a beta blocker, right? And, and then the, the, the team come back and say, hey, we didn't want a, a beta blocker, we wanted a calcium channel blocker. You know, that's, that could be considered a man error, right? But that's a non-fatal med error. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, if a patient comes in and they they got gout and they walk in and say, yeah, 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 give them uh give them endomethacin, right? Right. And you give them, you know, something totally different. 
thinking it was the right thing. I still could be considered a meta, but you know, at the same time, you know, these things are kind of, you know, non-fatal kind of low risk. If you give somebody a beta blocker versus a calcium channel blocker, you know, as long as their heart rate is within good limits between 60 and 100, it's not considered, you know, fatal. That's a meta error. Somebody mm-hmm. missing. Listen, mm-hmm. they messed up. I want an oral. But, you know, there are uh, medication labelings that are so similar in the yeah. way that they look that they have to create these labels a certain way so that they, uh, so that they make it very clear uh, what it is. And I think this is one thing that we go through in nursing school. They, they take it and break it down and say, hey, these are these medications that are so similar that you have to watch out for. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's 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 plenty of it's plenty of what ifs in this whole um, case here. Yeah, I think my my main concern is the nursing culture going forward. Um, and it's bad enough that we do not feel that we're being supported enough with you know COVID and um, staffing. Yeah, and, and when a lot of nurses see this article and they see that this poor young lady was thrown under the bus, granted. Life was lost, right? Um, but she, there was no support for her. It wasn't. It was no backing um, from her uh, healthcare system, right? Um, and she pretty much took the blame all on her own. Oh, she took this bullet. She yeah. she fell on this grenade heavily. So here, here, check this out. So initially, the the Tennessee Department of Health was not pursuing any discipline, disciplinary action. Right. In 2019, September 27th, they reversed that decision and decided that they were going to go after her. But the agency decided to refuse to disclose why they changed that decision, right? So she was charged with unprofessional conduct, abandoning or neglect, uh, neglecting a patient that required care and failing to maintain an accurate patient record, uh, according to charging documents. So she's facing a criminal trial at this point in a professional discipline hearing. Ultimately, out of the situation, she got stripped of her license. Yeah. Secondary, uh, we see the, the court ruling that we just came across. Uh, she, she was found guilty of manslaughter, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, in this situation, yeah. So she was found guilty of negligent homicide and abuse of an impaired adult. Mm. And this was and this was March 25th, uh, 2022. Yesterday. Yeah. So I think that I think that kind of catches us up to where we need to be. Yeah. Um, I mean, and if you look at the agent um, that they are, the pictures that they are putting on these articles, or um, the agent that the medication does say does say paralyzing um, agent. Um, so I mean, I I don't I don't know. It's it's hard to, it's hard to uh, you know pick a side in this situation. Of course, as a nurse, I want to be on the nurse. I mean, I ultimately ultimately feel 
I'm more leaning towards the nurse side just because the way the whole situation was handled. Right. Um, because she she wasn't she nobody nobody assisted her. Nobody kind of backed her from her um her company, her side, the healthcare system. Right. Um she was the scapegoat for real. She was she was for real. She took the fall. I mean, she ate she ate that fall, bro. Now, one thing I would say that she kind of caused this on herself when she admitted, I believe I read somewhere that she admitted that she um made the error or she 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 admitted to whatever it was. Um I probably that probably sparked um you know some ears and some eyes. I mean, whatever sparked it was like, okay, so this 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 girl is let's 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 make her take the blame. It, it was bad enough that an anonymous tipster came out of nowhere and decided to say, hey, they ain't do enough to her. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I think ultimately as providers, um we have to look out for each other a lot more. Um, as nurses, we have this culture that, you know, we eat our young, we kind of eat the new grads. Um, and that's something that I never tried to do because I know how that felt, right. especially being precepted. Right. And nursing is a very, uh, what's the word, can I say? Competitive? Competitive, but... Um, like the wild bro yeah it's 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 a different culture in nursing um everybody has something to prove in a sense everybody's a better nurse than the next person everybody wants to stretch their wings or yeah try to make they feel like they know it all yeah um and that's 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 the culture yeah um, a lot of people can't handle it so you see a lot of new grads will go into a job and maybe not even a year later, they're done with it because the way they've been treated, um, they were looked down upon, that they don't know what they're doing and yeah. so forth. Yeah. Um, so I think it's a, it's a culture that needs to be broken. Um, and who knows what this you know young lady was going through. She was still kind of a new nurse. She was like two years in from what I've been seeing. It's how she was a, started working. Well, maybe she wasn't, I thought, I thought let me see. It sounds like she started in 2015. Yeah. Begins working at, well, it says begins working as, as a nurse. So who knows how, I'm not sure when yeah. she received her license. I can look it up. Um, so I'll give you my take on this, right? This is a whole failure of hospital systems, right? So every everything in the hospital is delegated down, right? from your, on the nursing side, from your chief, your chief nursing officer, right? So you got your chief nursing officer, you got your uh, unit coordinators or like unit managers, and then you have your charge nurses, and then you got your floor nurses, right? Mm -hmm. So from what I understand and from what I've seen, uh, this whole process of how they were doing the medication on this floor was flawed in the first place, right? So this was, this was a culture that she walked into uh, of, you know, pulling meds uh, without without the proper med being, you know, assigned to that patient, um, not having the two checks on certain medications, just doing it, just doing what they need to do to get it done, right? right. So while yes, it's easy to do at the time, you know, to get your medication out the pixels, 
it's still um, it's still kind of avoiding what needs to be done as far as like doing safety checks. And it's the reason that the five rights was thought of, right? Yeah. Right, right patient, right medication, right time, all yeah. that good stuff, right? Now it's the reason that that exists. So in this situation, it seems like that was skipped, right? But the problem that I have is that everybody knew that this was going on, right? Like every, 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 even up to the top, they all knew what this process was at the hospital. And but I mean, I don't know if that's a, I don't know if that is a problem. I mean, you can override medications. Yeah. I mean, that's not, that's not uncommon. It's not uncommon. But what I'm saying is that this is a culture failure. This is a, a policy failure for the, for everybody. Even if, even if she, I'm pretty sure in the history of Vanderbilt that she wasn't the first nurse to make a mistake that was fatal, right? And she ain't gonna be the last. I don't know. It's like million, it's millions of nurses out here, right? Yeah. She ain't the only one who made a fatal mistake, but she is the example. Yeah, and and I think that's what it, I think that's what it boils down to. They they wanted to make an example because they see a lot of nurses threatening to leave the field. Um, a lot of nurses are getting power. That's why Cali nurses thrive the way they do because of the union. They have a union backing them. Um, oh, Cali, Cali got it right. Yeah. They got the, they got the nursing ratios. Yeah, and they get the breaks. Breaks. They get they have proper staffing. Get paid efficiently. So it's like, yeah. Can you um, imagine that model everywhere? That's what I'm saying, and I think that's what needs to happen. That's what needs to happen. Um, but I mean, it's only time will tell. It just takes that one person or that person to lead the drive, and we can make change. Like, well, hospital. One person, I think it was, it was a doctor that told me this. He said he treats every every one of his nurses great because a hospital cannot be run without nurses. They can be run without a certain amount of providers and so on and so forth, but a hospital can never run without a nurse. Facts. And that is the truth. Facts. Um, nurses can do a lot of things. Um, I even throw a respiratory in there. Um, respiratory have a specific niche as well. Yeah. In some cases, nurses know how to run those machines, but that, but it's a lot goes on. So I'm not going on respiratory because respiratory, they are needed as well, highly. Um, Thanks. But it's, you got to start taking care of our, our people, man. Um, and, and nurses don't are not getting treated uh, uh, accordingly to the work that we do. Um, uh, there's so many angles here that you could touch on. You know what I mean? It's a lot. Especially, yeah. especially in the last, you know, three, four years of healthcare. Two of them by default was rough. COVID was a rough time. Pre-COVID, you know, it was it was decent. It was okay, but you know, we still had our fights that you know keep getting swept under. You know, safe ratios for staffing. Um, you know, proper time off, good work-life balance. I mean, let's be honest, nursing is toxic at times when it comes to work like that. Work-life balance for some people. You know, some hospitals are so understaffed that they started forcing overtime. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's against the law. You can't force overtime. You know, you got huge hospital systems skirting around labor laws, things of that nature, you know. And it's kind of it's kind of tough to see it, you know, because you got, you know, you got these nurse managers or the like these coordinators in charge, and they're just like, look, just do it, you know. And if people worried about losing their job, they go through with it. No one is against their rights, you know. I mean, the nursing, nursing was tough, man. It was already a kind of a tough ring. And you, you, you mix in a, a huge pandemic that 
America did not plan well for. And you just get, you know, a 10x, uh, a 10x burden placed on the healthcare system that was already stressed. Uh, it's a large amount of, uh, it's like a large amount of, it's going to be a deficit is what I'm trying to say. It's going to yeah. be, it's going to be a deficit in providers and nurses in the next two to three years. Uh, I think I read an article in Forbes recently that said um, by the year uh, 2025 yeah. or something like that, um, yeah. Yeah. Like about 50% of the, about 50% of the nurses and healthcare professionals are going to leave the field or something yeah, along those lines. I was just about to um, say that. Yeah, 2020, 2025 is going to be a for sure shortage. I mean, honestly, I mean, let's just be real. Like, even yeah. I even I thought about it, man, I got to leave this alone because it stressed me out so bad. 130, a 4% shortfall, 130,000 nurses are going to leave the field. That's going to be crazy. Right. Uh, That's crazy. These numbers are nuts. If you ever get, if you get a chance, it's a, it's a, or it's an article that's active. Uh, just, just Google nursing shortage 2025 and you'll probably, probably get the article. Yeah. So scary. It's scary to see what, what our field is going to be. I mean, a, a lot of, a lot of nurses that's coming out of school is not even working. Um, like I've talked to a lot of old nurses and it's definitely, I think our generation kind of started this whole gap of, you know, working for a little bit and going back to school. Yeah, but the, even the generation after us, they're going. They're working their one year on the floor, and they're going back to school to be MPs or CRNAs, whatever it is. Um, so I mean, of course, you know, mid-level providers are going to be the future. Um, but it's it's definitely going to be interesting to see how they combat. You know, they they're going to have to pay more. That's the only way they'll be able to keep floor nurses on the floor is if they pay nurses more. Um, because everybody's going back to school to get more money. In some yeah. cases, the you know the older nurses are not going anywhere because they're making the amount of money that they would make if they go back to school. And in most cases, more money. So there's no point for them to go back to school. Bro, don't, um, don't even talk about paying COVID, man. Yeah. You know how many you know how many nurses took pay cuts during COVID, man? They took pay cuts. Why do you think the the uh, the, the the travel nurse market is booming yeah, so well, yeah. man? Because they them them hospitals, they was like, oh yeah, we gotta cut y'all pay because the hospital not bringing in enough money. Boom, they turn around, go take a travel contract, mm-hmm. making like a buck fifty an hour. Mm-hmm. You know, they had nurses up in New York doing fifteen k a week. Yeah, you yeah. try you try to tell me that you can't pay these nurses the way they supposed yeah, to be and, paid, and that and that might be the future nursing also. I think a, a lot of a lot of nursing is gonna be contracted. Yeah, um, I think that's that's another thing that's gonna be a future. You know, I, I um the 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 lawyer the, the lawyer nurse um her her IG name is like your nurse lawyer. Mm-hmm. She was talking about nurses going ten ninety nine in the future. Yeah, um, I believe. I think my, we, I, we were just talking. Yeah, about we was just talking about, about that too. Yeah. We was definitely just talking about ten ninety nine. Uh, I mean, but ten ninety nine is a nurse practitioner. Yeah, yeah. Versus um. Yeah. That's that. That's that's exactly. That's exactly. I think that's what I'm going to be doing in the years to come. Um, but there's plenty of ways to make money in this profession. Yeah. Well, you know, this is what people tend to forget. Healthcare is still a business. Yeah. While uh, while the goal is noble, healthcare is still a business. Yeah. But 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 what we have to. I mean, I think for me personally, I only can speak for me. I enter this field to help people. I get great satisfaction in helping people. Um, yes. Um, I want money as well, 
Um, but my ultimate goal is to help somebody. Um, but the burnout, bro. Yeah, the burnout but is the burnout gets you real. It does. Yeah, the, um, the burnout is real though. It's for real. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I don't think we are we we having this discussion because there's something just to be had. Um, and some people may be on the nurse side, some people may be on um, the justice system side, and it's hard to say um, what side to lean on in this situation. Yeah. Um, but I do know it is definitely going to be scary for nurses for nursing going forward. Yeah. Um, a lot. I mean, it may help nurses double check and recheck their uh, medications to be given yeah. more. And some nurses may just be too afraid to even continue in the profession. For real. Um, we already projected to have a shortage by 2025. I think this may increase that shortage uh, even more. Um, so you let us know what your thoughts are. Um, and we can come back and talk we can about talk it. about this even more. Um, you know, this is uh, what this platform is for. Um, yes, it's called Prescribed Black. We're not only going to be um, sticking to, you know, Black culture. Um, that is our primary goal, of course. Um, but we're going to be talking about, you know, the, the medical field as a whole. It's called Prescribed Black for a reason. Right. Um, so you let us know what you guys' thoughts are. Um, and all, we always hear for feedback. Let us know what we can improve. What, what do you want us to talk about? Um, and... We will try to make it happen. Facts. All right. This is prescribed black. I have fun. It's my big bro shakes. No, we the same age. Yeah, you older. All right. <laughs> we out. <laughs> have a good one. <laughs>